Hello and welcome to day 4 of the 12 Days of Archie series where we are going to look back on an eventful series of games against Cowden Beef in our 12-13 promotion winning season. Mark Wallace was there. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true I remember going to it thinking <laughs> it was it was just really really cold. Like it was it was foggy and cold, but no, you would think there would be any inclination that it would get abandoned or anything like that. And then I just remember, you know, at Central Park opposite the two stands, you've got the you've got the kind of new ish and the kind of old wooden one beside it. So we were over the other side. And it was icy. It was like icy on the terrace. You know what I mean? And like, you know, thinking that could be a bit dodgy. The game that lives long in the memory from that season took place at Central Park, one of the most unique grounds in Scottish football. I think Central Park is one of the most unique places to ever watch football. I don't think I'll see. Me- I don't think unless I go abroad, I will see a football ground much in its in its mould. Should I say? It is a, a bowl, a terrace bowl with two modern, with two stands, one wooden, one more modern, uh, at one side, and three sides is like stepped terracing, with like a outbuilding that doubles as the the pie stall where you've got your you've got your lavies and your pie stall and all that. It's not great. The view is shit. No matter what side you sit, you choose to stand on, it is ter- like the view's terrible. It's yeah, they have the they have the fences for the yeah, stop to stop the great. cars from. It's no good. I can I kind of like it. I I have a. Well, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think it has its charm. A unique place to watch football, but it's unique in the sense that it's dabbing it with faint praise. Yeah. If you there's catch the shift, there's a reason why this isn't the model. Put it that way. That's why it's unique. Yeah, um, it's not. It's Cowdenbeath, the town. Great. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, football ground. Shite. I I have a I have a total fetish for like football grounds that double as other things. So like you know Ashfield oh, yeah. Speedway and all that and Stock Car. I don't know. I know people hate like running tracks and stuff like that around, around stadiums and all that. I I don't know why. I quite I quite like the the sort of multi-purpose stadiums. Just I don't know. It's just something that I've always liked since I was a kid. But I'm always I advocate strongly for close to the pitch. I want to see what's going on. Mm. Preferably from the side. I hate being behind the goal unless it's like I like being behind the goal at grounds like Town Castle mm-hmm. or Rugby Park where it's high up and you can see. But see if it's like like middle or low behind the goal. Like like Hamilton. I don't. I don't even mind Hamilton because Hamilton you're up above. Yeah, there's a platform. Like, yeah, yeah. But see like behind the goal at like. What's St Johnston or St Mirren? Mm-hmm. I think I think the thing I really like about this is that there's a weirdly communist aesthetic about it. Where if you oh, ever yeah. watch like, um, very, like like that, definitely feels like um, 
that that particular game, the abandoned one, feels like um, it, it does feel like something out of the death match. You know, the one where like they talk about like the the Ukrainian mm-hmm. team that played the Nazi soldiers. Yes, yeah, it's, it's That's very gives off that sort of vibe of like that sort of communist, brutalist. Yeah, if yes. Sean Lucari ever had to write about a football match, it's probably gonna it's probably gonna be like this in terms of just intense fog. This the great the grates around the stadium obviously it's to stop the cars from crashing into it and stuff like that. But if you ever watch like footage of like UEFA Cup or Cup Winners Cup European Cup games from like behind the iron curtain like Yugoslavia and stuff like that and you ever look at them, you always see things like that to kinda of keep Oh yeah, like, partisan and red stars and all that. I always remember watching, like, you used to watch, because if you, uh, before they moved, uh, when uh, Dinamo Kiev played at the old Lubanovsky Stadium, and it was just like in, in Shakhtar at the old Centrale Stadium, and I just remember it being like a bowl, a tracker in it, it was proper Soviet hangover shit. Like, and that's what, Central Park is like a unique, it's a unique ground. Brutalist architecture aside, Cowdenbeath used the pitch to their advantage as Archibald's eleven struggled in the cold conditions. I must admit, if Cowdenbeath were to ever somehow leave it, I would feel a bit upset because it gives them a bit of their own, their own thing because they're, they're a small club. We sadly dwindling attendances. I've got a lot of time for Cowdenbeath. I really do. I've got some, some very nice people who I'm pals with that, I'm, that support them. I think it gives them a bit of... It's like, this is... This is... This is... This is this ground's a shithole, but it's our shithole. We're going to bring you down to our level in our shitty park, if you know what I mean. But I mean that in the nicest possible way. I mean, like, I actually talked about this in his, uh, in his uh, match report afterwards, talking about how when the fog came down and all that, the pitch, like, it's a really tiny pitch at Central Park, is, and it was such a really lottery. Small. See, for such a, for like, a, what you would, like, it's like, it's for such a wide stadium, obviously, for the, the, the track, it's a really small, tight pitch. It's, it's, it's hard work if you, if you're no used to it, like, you can struggle and like we that we have had stru- struggles against Cowdenbeath before. I remember the first time I ever went to Cowdenbeath, we lost. It was the season. Mind they they done back to back promotions under Danny Lennon. Yes. Uh, they, we lost two one that day. Greg Stewart scored for Cowdenbeath that day actually. It's, it just shows you. I mean, we we found this like going to places like Allen and stuff like that. I mean, like. Long balls, just like it's putting in long time. balls and having to adjust your sort of your play to you know not punt the like, ball up is... so far because it's a, a short pitch and we'll just go it. Like this is one thing I've always said. Like it's like we're in this the level we're at now. It's like I like we I we probably should have enough to beat these teams, but I don't think we could be too surprised if they get one over on us because they know. But they know what they're gonna. They know the expectation of the teams they're up against. Like us and Falkirk, and you, you look at the teams in this division. Like us and Falkirk have dropped silly points. Us maybe more than Falkirk have, but we have. Like Falkirk, Falkirk drew at home to Forfa, and we, like we've lost to Peterhead at home. So like it's no like 
It's there's no being the procession. Certainly not the procession. I not that I expected it to be anyway, right enough. But it's not been like certainly what you think when you come to these smaller grounds, these small towns. Unexpectedly trailing in the game, Mother Nature then handed Thistle a much needed lifeline. Of course, we were two one down. And like you could see the fog like rolling in over the stand, you're like this might get up this might get called off. Were you hoping for an abandonment? Yes, because we were terrible. <laughs> we were fucking terrible. I just remember seeing it roll in and roll in and roll in and you're like Okay You always have the th- the, the, the the thought in your mind like is he going to play this out to a finish? Because it was an important game. It was like one of our games in hand on Martin. Because we needed to win it at the time. Like we, we really, really did. Like we were really, really... I think it was at a point where Martin were like nine points ahead. Despite the conditions, the Thistle fans still displayed their trademark humour, as Kira Ashton explains. Was, I, was, I, think I, could, I think it was there, but it was a while where they were chatting like, where's the ball? You know, like, were, it? <laughs> were, they, were they doing it? I didn't know. I, 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 I think because uh, I remember, uh, I think when Man Pete was big in his YouTube back then, uh, uh, there's there's a, there's a chat to the first fans going, where's the ball? Where's the ball? And it's just the fog just descended over the stadium. It got to literally that point where you couldn't see the other side of the ground. Like it was Craig Charleston was there, and you're like, he's got to do something about this. Like shouting at the ref, he's like, fucking call it off, call it off, call it off. It was like about 400 Thistle fans over in that side, like telling him you need to call it off. Because Archie, Archie went over as well to the linesman. He's like, you need to fucking abandon this. I can't see my players. You couldn't see anything. You really couldn't. It's like. It's like it reached a point where it's like, oh, this is oh, we're this is absolutely horrific to know this actually you you actually can't see the other side of the park and um, get called off. Like the referee came over and whistled and put everybody back inside, and like I swear to God, it was cheered like with one three two. <laughs> swear to God, and I remember getting on the the bus. Uh, back, city centre bus back, Duncan Murray's bus, and um, you know, on Twitter and just seeing all the tears for the Martin fans. That's a disgrace. The result should stand. The result should stand. They were losing. The abandonment was just one example of a number of rescheduled games for Thistle that season. I'm sure there'll be some Thistle stato out there who can disprove it, but I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a game that has been more postponed or abandoned than this game and certainly if this was modern history um, very much a great piece of pub trivia 
Um, this game was originally meant to be on the 8th of December at Central Park, and the game was postponed due to a frozen pitch um, at that point. The game was then rearranged to the 2nd of February, a week after we'd played County Beef and beat them 2-1 at Fur Hill. And this time it was again postponed due to a waterlogged pitch this time and was then first rearranged. Our next game actually on the 9th of February against Ruth Rovers was also postponed um, for similar reasons as well. So rough times um, in the fife at that point. We then came to the 26th of February where the, this game happened and again the game was abandoned due to fog. The game was then rearranged for the 19th of March where again it was postponed due to snow this time. So we'd had ice, then we'd had waterlogged pitch, then we'd had fog, and then we'd had snow. Four times the game had been called off due to the weather. Yeah, the Rafe Rovers game actually from February was also postponed a second time um, the week before as well. Um, in addition to a postponement against Hamilton Ackies, we really had no luck at all with abandonments. The game was finally played on the 27th of March um, at Central Park, and then we had to go back to Central Park three days later to play them again um, because of the fixture pile-up. Because of all these postponements and rearrangements and things like that with this and the Rafe Rovers game and the Hamilton Ackies game, we actually played six games in March and seven in April trying to get rid of the backlog of all these games. So to be going for a title race and have 13 games in two months just really showed you the mountain that Fissel had to climb to get past Morton. Especially when you combine it with the Ramsons Cup run. You know, we went deep in a cup and we had to rearrange games for that. Yeah, we we played a lot of games that season and we, we had to certainly earn it. Nevertheless, two trips to Cowdenbeath in March saw Thistle well on their way to clinching the Division 1 title. Because that that was the first of three games we play, we would play against Cowdenbeath. Although this one didn't finish, but the other two obviously did. And they were the rearranged fixture of this. I remember when we rearranged it, we played them twice in three days. Uh, and at the end of March, we beat them 3 nothing, and there was a massive set too because Scott Fox came out to punch the ball and he absolutely levels Jason Naismith, who's now going on to be a pretty fucking decent Premiership defender. But at that time, he was on loan for St Mirren. And Scott Fox actually broke his jaw. Doolan got two. Donald get the other one. There's a great photo of Pete celebrating in the snow. And then we played them on the Saturday and beat them 2-1. James Cregan and Doolan scored that day. Martin get beat off Wraith the same day. And like that swung it. Because I remember because Martin, eh, sorry, Martin Count Beath hit the bar with a free kick in the last minute. Always mind that. Thistle icons Stevie Lawless and Conrad Balatoni, who we spoke to earlier on this year, are quick to cite this Cowdenbeath abandonment as a turning point in the title race. Do you think that was the key moment? Do you think that was the turning point within the squad? That was the moment everyone really believed? Yeah, I, th- I think that was just great. Because I, I, I don't think we'd have, we'd have got that result. I think it was like 70th minute or something in that um, we're 2-1 behind. Um, 
So I think, I don't know if we'd get back out of that game, but we obviously went back here and got the three points the next time we played them, so it was massive for us. And I think we, we were 2 nil down, and I just think, we, I think we weren't, we're never going to win that game, it was just one of them nights. Obviously, it got this morning, and then we we oh, you know we've got a second chance at this, and we went out, we went back and beat it. I think it was two 0 and I think from then we thought, Joe, like we've got a bit of luck here, like we need to keep going, and then literally we just rampaged through the through the games, and we got obviously we, I think we, we didn't win every game, but you know we went and beat Morton one 0 and then we went and beat every come back in the last five minutes. You know? So games like that are massive, and I think if we didn't do that and we didn't show the character that we did, then I don't think we would have. Yeah, got the promotion that we wanted. It was like we were so good that season, but like our entire season boiled down to like these two games against Cowdenbeath in March. The first one obviously being the replay of this, and the Challenge Cup final where we didn't turn up. The one game we didn't turn up after Archie got appointed. And I always think about that. Like that was a, there was a guy who tried to raise like thirty grand on a GoFundMe to write a book about this season, and like he get mocked on a uh, Telemis Pelly. I think it was Craig Telford. Anyway, guy review for Terrace said, "Oh, this guy, what's he wanting that much money for to write a book about that?" And it's like, see, in fairness. If ever was a football season to write a book about, it probably would be that one because it had literally everything. Thank you for joining us on the fourth day of our 12 Days of Archie series here on Draw, Lose or Draw. It was narrated by Matt Greer and edited by David Forrest. Contributions from David Forrest, Mark Wallace, Kieran Ashton, Stevie Lawless and Conrad Balatoni. As always, stay safe and wear a mask.